This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Giant Steps by John Coltrane, often known as a rite of passage for jazz musicians because it is notoriously one of the most difficult jazz standards to learn and improvise over. Truly, it is a complicated song. So in today's episode, I'm actually going to talk about why actually going through the trouble of working on and practicing and learning giant steps is actually going to help you play all other jazz standards a lot better. Let's dive right into that. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. Well, musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Love it. We're talking about, of course, as I said in the intro, the notorious, the feared jazz standard, Giant Steps. Giant Steps. Now, Giant Steps was a tune that John Coltrane composed that really was kind of the beginning of what we now call Coltrane Changes, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a second, but essentially Coltrane Changes is essentially modulating key centers in thirds and connecting them with 5-1 chord progressions. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about Giant Steps and how it works, a little bit of the analysis in just a second. But you know, Giant Steps, it, it it first came out on his record called Giant Steps. Now, there's this notorious story, I suppose, about on the record date, allegedly, uh, Tommy Flanagan is the piano player, but allegedly, John gave them all the music that very day. Now, I, that could be wrong, but that's what I heard. Either way... The thing that everybody talks about with the Giant Steps original recording is that Tommy Flanagan's piano solo, clearly a, a, a professional, um, one of the best jazz pianists ever, was struggling to play Giant Steps. Like if you go back and you listen to the record, you listen to Tommy Flanagan's solo on Giant Steps, he's he's clearly struggling to the point where like he at eventually kind of just like stops playing single note lines and he's just kind of you know, pushing some block chords through, not even hitting every single chord. It's just, it. the tempo is too fast. The chord changes are going by too fast. It's just crazy. And you realize that he's struggling, especially when John Coltrane comes in with his solo, where it's like guns blazing, and he's just like, obviously John Coltrane has been practicing his Coltrane changes for quite some time. But I say all this, I tell you this, to further instate how difficult Giant Steps is to play and improvise over. And that's why us jazz nerds, we talk about it, right? And there's videos on YouTube about it. And 
you know, it, it, it's it's it, everybody knows about giant steps and they know how challenging of a tune it actually is. I, I would argue that it's not as challenging as some of other uh, John Coltrane's tunes, like Countdown, for example. Um, I would say again is using his Coltrane changes, but I would say is more difficult than Giant Steps itself. Regardless, Giant Steps is kind of the uh, poster child for difficulty it, uh, of playing jazz, right? The virtuosity that it takes to play jazz. So let's uh, let's let's back up to an email that I sent my team, uh, the Learn Jazz Standards team. Um, every four months, I send my team an email, okay? And the email is to talk about and to list the next four jazz standards we're going to study in our Inner Circle membership. So for those of you who are not part of our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle, uh, the main thing we do there, although we do have courses on a variety of different things, the main thing we do there is we study a new jazz standard every single month, right? That's the big thing we do. Um, so I send this email out and I say, okay, August 1st is, you know, on August, we're studying this jazz standard, uh, in September, we're studying this jazz standard in October, November, like you get the idea, right? So list them out. And I send this to my team because we all need to be on the same page. We need to know, um, okay, what resources do we need to start creating? What solo do we need to start composing? The editor needs to be aware for the the training video, so on and so forth. Just the, you know, the way a business works, we have to be organized, right? Now I sent an email and it had for August 1st, which is the day this podcast episode is coming out, that we would be studying the jazz standard giant steps. Now, <laughs> when I sent that email, a few of my team members like emailed me back and said, wait, are we really studying giant steps? Because if you know anything about our inner circle membership, if you've been a part of it, um, you know, we, we study like very common jazz standards that everybody should know. And we try to have a variety of difficulty in there, but we try not to go ever too difficult because, you know, we have a lot of beginner and intermediate jazz players in the membership, right? So, then I announce at our live Q&A session that we do for our Inner Circle members, it's kind of a tradition. We usually have it on the last Wednesday of the month. So just the other day uh, from when I was re- I'm recording this podcast, we had our Q&A session. And I, I always announce what the next Jazz Standard Club study is going to be. Um, and people like to stay to the end of the stream just to, just to hear what it's going to be, the excitement, right, the anticipation. And I broke the news that starting today, the day this podcast episode is being published, we're going to study Giant Steps by John Coltrane. And I some of some of the some people were like, "Whoa, that's awesome! I'm totally excited to take a giant step." Like the puns started flying left and right. Right. Um, th- then there was a few people that were like, "I'm kind of scared," and you know what? I totally get it. So it kind of begged the question. Like, why did I choose to study giant steps, right? Like, why would I do this to our poor members, right? Now, I I swear I wouldn't ever do something to hurt anybody, right? I only do it to help. So the goal, of course, of us studying giant steps in our Inner Circle membership this month is not to master giant steps, is not because... um, you know, like people say, it is a rite of passage just to, you know, we have to do it because it's a rite of passage. Like, 
oh, it just, it just, you know what I mean? Like, let's try to impress people by going to your next jam session and calling giant steps. That's not really the reason, although, yeah, it is kind of a rite of passage, right? But the reason is there's actually some really phenomenal lessons within giant steps that we can learn that even if we get it to a basic level, even if we practice and play it very slowly with the tempo, there's a lot of gold that is going to multiply and compound and pay dividends in our other jazz studies, right? So let's start talking about that. But first, take a listen. Right? So we got... literally just with that first phrase there, the let's take giant steps, we went through three different keys that quickly, right? So let's quickly just talk about the harmony and how it works. So there's three key centers in giant steps. B major, concert B major, concert G major, and then concert E flat major. That's it. We're only cycling between those three keys. Now, the trick with those three keys is they're, they're all major thirds away from each other. And essentially, that is how Coltrane Changes works. It's cycling through keys that are major thirds away from each other, right? Or in other cases, there's, there's minor thirds uh, it, it, with other forms of Coltrane Changes. But that's how it's working in giant steps, right? So we have this B major 7 chord. And we need to get to G major. So what we're going to do is play B major for two beats. And that's what makes it tricky. Only two beats. And then we're going to connect it with a five. So now we're going to G major next. That's a major third down from B major. But we're going to connect it with a five. So what's the five of G major? The five of G major is D7, right? So we have B major seven for two beats. D7 is the 5 to the the 1, right? That's the G major 7. So B major 7, D7 is the 5, G major 7 is the 1, right? So all in the span of 6 beats, we have gone to two different key centers already, right? So now... We need to get to E flat major. That's another major third down, right? E flat is a major third down from G. That's how Coltrane changes works. Now we're going to do the exact same thing. We're going to try to get to E flat major, but let's add a five chord in front of it, okay? And the five chord is B flat seven, okay? B flat seven. Now, another way to kind of think about this is once you get to your key center, so this is G major, a minor third up from G major is actually B flat seven, right? To E flat major seven. So we have this alternating, you know, we're we're going, we're switching key centers by major thirds, but technically, right, the five chords that help us get to the tonic of the new key center, they're just a minor third up from 
our last tonic. So our G major seven, up minor third is B flat seven, and now we're at E flat major seven. So let's rewind for a second. So it's B major seven is our first chord. Okay, now a minor third up is our five chord, that's D seven to G major, that's our new tonic. A minor third up is our five chord, B flat seven of our next tonic, which is E flat major seven. Okay, so that's that's how the chords work. I, that's just how the Coltrane changes works within giant steps. Okay, then sometimes Coltrane throws in a two five. So in this case, he goes two five back to G major, then five of E flat major, and now we need to go a major third down in key, which is going to be B major again. So we're going back to B major. So from E flat major, we go a minor third up to a dominant seventh chord, which is F sharp seven, to B major seven, okay? Right, that's what happened. So then we're gonna go back to E flat major, and this is the quote unquote, not the bridge, but you could think of it as the slightly different section here. So then we do a bunch of two five ones, okay? So two five to E flat major. Then we're gonna go to the key a major third down, so two five to G major. Um, I'll just play the melody there so you can hear it. Right? That's G major. Then we're going to go to a major third down from G major, which is B major. So 2-5-1. Okay, that's B, uh, B major. Now we're going to go um, back to E flat major. So 2-5-1. And then uh, one last time, 2-5 back to the top to B major seven. So in totality, we have B major seven, D seven, G major seven, B flat seven, E flat major seven, two, five, two, G major seven, B flat seven, E flat major seven, F seven to B major seven. Now the quote unquote bridge, if you will, two, five to E flat major seven, two, five to G major seven. And then we go, two five to b major two five to e flat major two five back to b major which lands us back at the top right okay that's the tune now you know that is a lot of information i just threw at you and especially through a podcast um you know this is all auditory and me naming things off um in our jazz standard study this month for august for when we're studying giant steps in our inner circle membership we have a color-coded chords analysis we have a teaching video so if you if you're someone who's interested in possibly wanting to study giant steps like we are um Today is a great day to sign up for the Inner Circle. So ljsinnercircle.com is where you can do that if you're interested, um, if that w is helpful to you. But let's continue with the show because, um, I again, I want to keep explaining why Giant Steps is going to be helpful for you to study, even if you don't master it, even if it's not called on your gigs very often, even if you don't really ever play it at a jam session, right? But what can we learn from it? So what we've learned so far is that this is a tune where you have three different key centers and those three different key centers could not be further away from each other if you look at the circle of fifths or the circle of fourths, right? They're major thirds away from each other, right? 
Um, so they're spaced out that way. However, uh, there's a method to the madness, right? So major thirds is how they're cycling. They're connected by five one chord progressions. So the main thing I want you to understand about giant steps and like I try to just demonstrate for you now is we have our B major seven, but to get to the G major, we're going a five before the G major. Okay, that's D seven to G major. Now to get to E flat major, we gotta put the five in front. So now we have B flat seven to E flat major seven, right? And that's pretty much what giant steps is. It's these three key centers and they're connected with five one chord progressions. And then during the quote unquote bridge section, two, five, one chord progressions. Now we know if you know anything about jazz, we know that the two, five, one is the most important chord progression in all of jazz. We know that, right? But the most important chord progression in all of music is the five, one, right? Five, one, five, one, right? Five, one, five, one, five, one, right? That's all it really is. So let's just say you learned a five, one lick, right? So over top of B flat major. So that's my pet lick, my pet haltered lick. But it works so well for teaching, so I always use it, okay? Awesome, that's a five, one lick. Okay, what about over the G major? So the five, one to G major. Okay, you just transpose it the same lick right there, right? Um, what about over top of the E flat major? Right, there you go. So I say that not because you want to play and copy and paste the same licks over top of this entire song, but just to short, sort of show you that the simplicity of it is actually there, right? It, it, it's not as complicated as we want to make it out to be, right? We just need to understand B major is a key that we're in, G major is a key we're in, and E flat major is a key we're in. But really, all we're focusing on is 5-1, 5-1, So how many different ways can I say 5-1, right? How many different ways can I do that, right? And we can start very simple. If you're like a beginner, right, we can start super simple. What do we know about any chord in the diatonic series of a major key, right? So in other words, if I'm playing the two chord of B major or the three chord or the four chord, uh, oops, or the five chord or the six chord or whatever have you, if I play the B, B major scale on top of that whole thing, right? It technically will sound good. So if I know how to play the B major scale and the G major scale, and the E flat major scale, technically that's a starting point. Now again, just playing major scales over top of all of these chords, it's not gonna sound that musical. You're not really gonna hear the chord changes other than you are afforded the luxury, it's funny to call it a luxury, but you're afforded the luxury of the song changes keys so many times that are clearly different from each other that it almost will make it sound like you are playing the changes, if that makes sense, um, just by playing the major scales. But what we're really focused on is 5-1. How can I play a 5-1 over and over and over again in these different key centers, right? So really, we're just worrying about mastering 
the key of B major, the key of G major, and the key of E flat major. And worrying about how different, how, okay, for example, right, we have this, you know, let's say to the five to the one of G major, right? So we have our, 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 our chord tones. So we have, we have, let's see. Right, so that's D7. That's uh, G major seven, right? So then we can start going, well, how can we connect those melodically? That's one way, a very beboppy way. There's another way, right? So, right, there's another way. So we can start really going off and experimenting with all the different ways that we can say five, one, or let's go back to my altered lick idea. That's one idea that I know will always work over a 5-1 chord progression, right? So we can start simple like that. Then, of course, uh, there's some other things that we were studying in our inner circle, like Coltrane patterns, where we also are studying a melodic uh, quarter note line, like how do we just play quarter notes that resolve to chord tones throughout the whole form rather than worrying about eighth notes and making it too complicated, right? Um, of course, there's learning a solo, like we have a composed etude of giant steps that we had our, com- our in-house com- uh, composer, Keelan Dimmick, we had him, you know, kind of compose a simple, a simpler solo. Like how do you navigate giant steps without going nuts like Coltrane? Well, you can do it and it can still sound really good, right? So giant steps can be made easier. Absolutely. The biggest challenge once we understand the three key centers, once we understand that it's just five one to each one of them, and once we understand that they're cycling in major thirds, then right, the challenge really is tempo, right? The fact that the chords are changing so quickly. So how do you address tempo? It's actually quite simple. It's just a lot of us don't think to do it or want to do it. And that is this. It's um let's just use the classic Pat Metheny like slow bassa. So it's actually, let's take it even slower. That's how slow we could play it. We could play it like as a ballad if we wanted to, right? To practice the 5-1, the 5-1, the 5-1. So while I don't expect you or my inner circle members who are studying this tune this month to master giant steps or even to call it in all their gigs or all their, their tunes, what I know with 100% confidence is by the time it's all said and done, by the time they leave August and go into September where we're going to study another jazz standard, right? They will have a better understanding of how to navigate five one 
chord progressions in different keys. And they'll have a good understanding of how to think quicker. They'll have a good understanding of how to get more creative. They'll learn some patterns. They'll learn some jazz language. They'll create something for their own. And they'll come out a lot stronger. So my argument for you, and I'm this is not necessary to say my argument for you, I don't, I'm not even necessarily saying join the inner circle to study this tune. I'm just saying, even in your own private studies, my argument for you to study giant steps, at least at some point in time in your jazz journey, is because there's a lot of gold within there. I often like to say, you know, when we put ourselves through a fire, right, something that's a little bit hot, a little bit sticky, a little bit complicated, we usually come out on the other side a little bit sharper, right? There's something that you're going to gain, um, even if there's some struggle. So oftentimes my inner circle members, um, I'll hear them say, oh, wow, this was a real challenge for me, uh, but I did it. I'm on to the next lesson or something like that, right? I love it when I hear the, those words, not because I want people to struggle, and certainly I don't want them to struggle to the point of being too frustrated and demotivated and not having fun anymore. Then it defeats the purpose of playing music, right? But I like hearing it was a struggle because if we never struggle musically at all, if we're always playing the things that make us feel comfortable, we're probably not going to improve or at least not improve very quickly. And we're probably in the long term going to be constantly frustrated with our musical progress. But when we're challenging ourselves, when we're asking ourselves to try something a little bit different, a different way, that's when the real growth starts happening for ourselves musically, right? So my challenge for you, whether you're one of our inner circle members or not, is to give giant steps a try and see how it goes for you. Um, it can be a really fun and exciting tune if you just embrace it for a second and do some of the things that I mentioned doing to try to make it easier, funner, and just adopting that mindset that it's about growth, not perfection. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for checking it out today. Thank you for listening. Always do appreciate having you as a listener. Uh, like I said, ljsinnercircle.com. That's where you can find us if you're interested in joining our Inner Circle membership. Like I said, we're studying giant steps this month. So if you're up for a challenge, if you're up for some of what I talked about today, that'll be a great one. Otherwise, there's plenty of other jazz standards that we've studied. Um, as well as a lot of great courses for you to explore on topics like jazz blues or rhythm changes or whatever you want to be working on. I'm, I'm almost positive that we have it for you. So LGSInnerCircle.com. All right, we're going to be coming out with another episode very soon for you. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy practicing, and we'll see you back then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. That's LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask. 
I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.